start today. I know Easter uh, is just a couple of weeks removed, but I want to talk about something real quick that usually is associated with maybe Christmas. Um, and it's actually a Bible verse, and it's found in Acts, and Jesus said it. Um, but uh, you have a little while, Ellie. <laughs> I'll take um, That's all right. She's going to be reading for us later, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, but there is a um, Bible verse in Acts that Jesus said that Paul quoted, and you've probably heard it. Uh, it says, you're blessed when you give rather than, to re- than receiving. And, and that's a verse, if I'm honest, I struggled with a lot growing up. You know, I mean, not struggle with the verse because, you know, just struggle with the, the thought of it. Because, you know, especially around Christmas or something like that, um, I was all about, I want to receive stuff. And I think, you know, I'm not going to make you raise hands or anything like that, but I think if I were to ask you, Growing up, you know, Christmas time, it was probably more about receiving than giving. You know, I didn't want Santa Claus to get presents from me. I wanted Santa Claus to give me stuff. And every once in a while, uh, as Christmas got closer when I was little, my parents would be like, hey, you have to go get your sister a Christmas gift. And I was like, I don't want to give her anything. You know, I'd rather her give me stuff. And, and so I would just do it begrudgingly. But it, as I grew up, uh, especially as I, ha- I got married and had kids, I realized, wow, this is so true. It is so true, um, and we are more blessed when we give than when we receive. To see someone, a child, um, or anyone for that matter, but to, their face to light up and, and to get something um, that they want or they need, and just it's just an amazing thing. And so I learned that it is important to give. And, and what we're talking about today um, is not a physical thing that we're giving. It's kind of um, something that we're all called to do. And I wouldn't necessarily say that it's better to give forgiveness than receive forgiveness, but I would definitely say it's equal. And, and so that's kind of where we're heading. We're going to be talking about uh, forgiveness. We're continuing with the Four Truths series. Um, and, and forgiveness is a tough thing because forgiveness makes you have to bring up uh, situations or circumstances or feelings about when somebody wronged us, did something to us emotionally, physically, uh, spiritually, whatever, they, they harmed us, and, and we're going to have to deal with those wounds. But forgiveness is really, really important. Um, and the Bible has a lot to say about forgiveness. So we're going to listen, or we're going to read a couple of passages. Um, actually, we're going to just kind of say one that y'all are probably familiar with. The first one we're going to look at, look at is in Matthew 6. And as you're turning there, um, we're going to start uh, in Matthew uh, 6, verse 9. As you're turning there, find it on your phone. Um, let me just kind of say this. This is a passage you're probably familiar with. It's the passage of the Lord's Prayer. And, and this is the most, it's got to be, I don't know this for sure, but got to be the most prayed prayer of all time. Whether it's from sports teams or like a daily devotion kind of thing or um, in, in traditional services, it's said every week. It is it's prayed a lot. And it, as well it should be because it is Jesus teaching us how to pray. And so it's an awesome thing. And I don't know, I, I want us to say it in just a minute. Um, and there will be a version on the screen behind me, that I think from the NIV, if you're not familiar with it, um, but we're just going to say it, we're not going to pray, you don't have to close your eyes, I just want you to say it, but I want you to say it how you were taught, um, you know, because if you're like me, I grew up in church, and I, I learned, one of the first verses I learned when I was probably, I don't know, five or six, was John three sixteen, and and so still to this day, and I learned it from the King James, that still to this day I say, whosoever believeth in him, it's the only time I ever say believeth but I still do it if somebody were to say that. So, you know, the Lord's Prayer kind of has a couple of different ways of saying things. It's the same message, but different terminology. So let's say it all together. And if you don't know it, I think it'll be, uh, it'll be on the screen behind us. So let's start. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name.
you know, that's awesome stuff right there, right? I mean, end of message, we're going to go home, and that's it. I mean, that is powerful, powerful stuff. But I want us to look at something specifically, and that's the topic of forgiveness that, that's in the Lord's Prayer. And, and, you know, whether you say your, your debts, your, your sins, your trespasses, it sounds like most people said trespasses, um, it's the same message. It's forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And that's an important thing that Jesus wants us to say. As a matter of fact, the, the two verses right after the Lord's Prayer is this. It's Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness is the only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus kind of says, do you get it? It's not about the daily bread or the, the keeping us from the evil one. He's like, I just want to make sure you get this forgiveness thing. So he kind of reiterates it. He said, I, you forgive other people. When you do that, God will forgive you. And, and that's kind of a hard thing for us because, you know, like the video we watched a little while ago, it's cute how the little kids forgive each other. And I, I even heard a few aws, you know, and, and that's, that is precious. And we teach our kids, and hopefully you were taught to forgive. And it's usually something along the lines of, you know, your brother punched you. He said you're sorry. You need to forgive him kind of thing. And we just make it very, you know, easy to tell our kids to do that. But as we get to adulthood, we kind of revert back to some ways and, and we think it's better to receive than to give. Again, we find, kind of fall back into that trap. And if I'd rather re receive the forgiveness. I don't know that I'm willing to give the forgiveness. And, and, it's, all, and, it's, and it's tough. And, and we see, we, we heard some of the stuff the kids were struggling with in the video and, and the circumstances may have changed, but the, the hurt remains from the same type of things. She made fun of me. That doesn't matter if you're three or 103. You know, um, he stole something from me. That could take on a whole different meaning when you get older. You know, that, but that still applies. She lied about me. He left me out. Things like that, they still hurt us to this day, even in adulthood. And, and we have to get past those things. We have to be able to forgive. And forgiveness is not really an option. And we see that in the Lord's Prayer. Um, Ellie, you can come on up now. Um, pretty late in Jesus' ministry, he's telling a parable. Um, and it's, I'm not exactly sure how close Jesus was to the cross at this point, but he was getting pretty close. And so he was telling his disciples some stuff. And we find this parable in Matthew 18, beginning verse 23. And I've asked Ellie Adams. She's one of our awesome fourth graders. She's going to read it for us. And then we'll talk about it for just a second. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with a servant. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay, every, I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. 
You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Awesome. Thank you, Ellie. I think it's incredibly special to hear the word of God from a, from a child. And I think in heaven they're like just like cheering that on. That's, it's just awesome. Um, so what did we hear just then? There's a guy that owes millions of dollars. 10,000 bags of gold or something like that. Millions of dollars. An unpayable debt to this king. And the king is saying, I want the money. And, and the guy's like, I can't give it to you. And the king says, well, I'm, I'm going to take everything because that was his right to do. And, and the guy begs and pleads for mercy. And the king does something kind of crazy. He says, okay, I'll forgive the debt. And, and the guy leaves and he's happy, obviously. I mean, I can't imagine. I, I don't know what debts you have. But can you imagine all your debts being paid? And just walking out just with that kind of freedom. And that guy was walking out. And he sees a guy that owes him the equivalent of maybe $100. And he's just been relieved of millions of dollars in debt. And he sees this guy that owes him 100 And he says, hey, you owe me money. And you need to give me money right now. And the guy says, I can't do it. I'll, I'll do whatever I can. I'll, I'll work hard and, and pay you back as fast as I can. I'll do whatever you allow me to do. And the guy said, no, it's too late. You're going to jail. Now, as you can imagine, the king hears about this. And he's not real happy. Because he just relieved this debt from this guy that was, that was just enormous. And so he has the guy arrested and thrown in jail. And not only thrown in jail, but tortured. And you can kind of pick up on the symbolism there of what this is saying. And, and this is what Jesus ends with. He said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So there's a couple of things I want us to look at that in that passage. And then we'll be done. First, don't underestimate the enormity of the debt that was paid for you. I mean, it's, it's something we kind of brush over sometimes, I think. It's just the, the and we just sang about it a little bit in, in both of the songs. And it's, you know, sometimes they're just words on a screen. But the debt that we've been forgiven individually is massive. And, and I'm not talking about, when I, when I say think about this, I mean, beyond the beating and the hanging on the cross. I mean, that should be enough. But just the sheer number of sins. I'm 43 years old. And if I were um, to say I, I have sinned one time per day in my life, ha, 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 no way. Uh, but if I were to say I have sinned one time in my life every day for 43 years, that would be 15,695 sins. That's a very conservative, very, very, very conservative uh, number of my sins, right? It's probably more like that per day. But, but, okay, say the bare minimum, my sins. Now let's add y'all's, you know. We're, we're talking in the thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions. I mean, it's, it's getting crazy, the debt that Jesus paid for us. And we just kind of go, eh, whatever. You know, and then we see somebody that, that hurt us, and we're like, sorry, I'm not going to forgive you. And we forget the enormity of the debt that was paid for us. And we can't do that. And the second thing is this. We are forgiven based on the condition that we are willing to forgive other people. All right? That's a key thing, that we're willing to, to forgive other people, all right? Because that's a difficult thing, a very, very, very difficult thing. Um, I, I always wonder, you know, what the disciples thought 
And I just, that's kind of, as I read the Bible, the Gospels, that's kind of one of the things I often wonder, as Jesus was saying things, what were they thinking? What were they processing? And we give them a hard time a lot of time because we read it and we've studied it and, and, and we can kind of see how the end turned out and, and go back and, and kind of critique what they were doing. But I, I wonder a lot of times what the disciples were thinking, especially think about John, who, who was at the cross when Jesus was there. And, and he had heard this parable. He had heard Jesus talk about forgiveness, and he had heard Jesus teach him how to pray. And then he actually got to see the sacrifice that was made. I mean, it probably like clicked. Something in his head just went, wow, that's what Jesus expects of me, that kind of love for other people, that kind of forgiveness for other people. And, and here's the thing with forgiveness. We, we think forgiveness, is, it is a difficult thing because we think sometimes we get the misconception that if we forgive somebody for something, something they wronged us with, that we're saying what they did was okay. And that's not what it is. That's not what we're doing. We're not justifying the action that was taken against us. It's, it's setting ourselves free. It's allowing ourselves to be free from a prison that we've put ourselves in by holding that person captive and, and, and that memory captive. And Jesus demonstrated this for us on the cross. And this was a cool thing I, came, I just kind of thought about as I was reading and preparing um, as Jesus is on, is on the cross, two of the last things Jesus did before he took his last breath was forgive the people that put him on the cross. He looked down and he said, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. The people mocking him, the people that beat him, the people that put him on the cross, he's like, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. A very human thing to do. That's what he was doing. It, it's probably a very divine act because it, was, it would have been incredibly difficult. But as, in his humanness, that's what he did. A short time later, a thief on the cross next to him said, Lord, will you remember me? And he said, yeah, I can tell you now. And he basically forgave him. And I said, I'll see you in paradise. And that's the cool thing. So in his divinity, he forgave a guy for eternity. And in his humanity, he gave the people that, that sinned against him by hanging him on the cross and beating him and hurting him. And that's something that we need to learn, that it's difficult. It's really, really, really difficult. Uh, Corey Tinboom, I hope y'all have heard of her. If not, uh, look her up. She was an incredible lady uh, that lived uh, during World War II. Her and her sister Betsy were um, Dutch Christian ladies, and, and they helped a lot of Jews escape from the Nazi Holocaust in World War II. Um, and they saw what the, the Nazis were doing. And because of their love and faith in Jesus, they said, we're going to do something about this. And so they hid a lot of Jewish people in their homes. And they actually built kind of these secret rooms in their homes. And there's a book called The Hiding Place uh, that Corey wrote um, that talks about it. But they hid people, hid Jewish people in their homes to keep them um, from being caught by the Nazis. And they did this for a couple of years. And then finally they were either ratted out or, or just got caught. And so the Nazis arrested them and put them in a concentration camp uh, to die and to, to work and ultimately to die. And so they were there, and while they were there, they were in Ravensbrück concentration camp. Betsy, Corey's sister, uh, died shortly before the Allied forces came and, and set people free. Um, and so it was a, a rough thing. Well, after that, Corey went back a few years later, and she was preaching in uh, Germany. And she was preaching the gospel about Jesus and telling everybody she could hear about Jesus and forgiveness. It was a big, big thing she wanted to, to get people to know about forgiveness. And so she comes face-to-face -face with this guy that used to work in Ravensbrook. And, and he didn't recognize her, but she recognized him. And you can imagine the emotion and the pain that, that welled up in Corey when she saw this guy and the thoughts of her sister dying. And what, you know, had they not been there, her sister would still be alive. And this is what Corey wrote. This is 
uh, Corey Timbone's own account. And this is the guy talking. He said, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there. But since that time, I have become a Christian, and I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. And his hand came out, will you forgive me? So the guy sticks his hand out to Corey Timbone. He's like, will you forgive me? As I stood there, I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven, could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been more than many seconds that he stood there with his hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus said, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much, but you have to supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then his healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all of my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. That's an incredibly powerful story. I mean, I, I can't imagine coming face to face with somebody, a person that was responsible for the death of somebody I really, really love. But Corey did that, and she gives us an example, and there's many, many more, but of what forgiveness looks like and understanding the debt that was paid for us so we could be free. And that, you know, this is the truth of the matter. You are forgiven. Jesus forgives you. But he wants you to have the attitude of forgiveness as you go about your day-to-day -day life for other people. And that's a difficult, difficult thing. For some of us, it's a lot more difficult than others. You know, some of us, you know, me included, we've kind of had a blessed life and, and whatever. But some other people in this room even are dealing with stuff that we can't imagine. But I promise you, there's, there's somebody that can. And he died so you could be forgiven and that you would have the power to forgive other people. Uh, Anthony's going to come and lead us in communion. And I just ask that as, as we partake in communion, that we would have that in our mind. That um, is there someone in our lives that, that we need to forgive? And, and one of the things about the illustration of the video, I don't know if you caught this or, you know, I just kind of was watching it hit me. They were writing the things that had been done to them, the hurts that somebody had done. Well, when they erased them, it wasn't just beautifully clean. You know, there was a smudge there. When you forgive somebody, you're not telling them, hey, everything's okay. You know, the, the relationship may be broken, may be fractured, but you're, you're setting yourself free from a bondage that, that, that Satan has lied to you about and he's keeping you in. So don't, don't think that when you forgive somebody, that forgive and forget, I don't know that that really works. I know we, we talk about that, but that, that's tough. And if you've mastered that, I'd love you to write a book so I can read it because I, just, I, have, I struggle with it. And so that's what I'd love for you to focus on. If there's somebody that you need to forgive or a situation you need to address in your life, let God speak to your heart and understand that the power that lives in you is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And that if you need to forgive somebody, he has given you the power to be able to do that. So I think.